I shouldn't have. I mean, there were 60,000 at the Raiders that are back stadium pouring down. I said, surely we can get a handful of Christians. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're here. I want you to take your Bible this morning. I want you to go with me to the book of Joshua, okay? Joshua, and uh, it's in the Old Testament, kind of at the beginning, and I want you to look there for the next uh, three weeks. We're going to camp out here, okay? Uh, we, uh, I've got about a three-week window before the uh, Christmas theme hits us, and we'll be taking a couple weeks on Christmas. So I've only got three weeks for Joshua. Now, you know we could spend like five years here, right? So somehow I've got to figure out Joshua in three weeks, and I'm not even sure God can do that, okay? But here's what we're going to do. I, I want to begin shifting our focus a little bit from 2014 to 2015, okay? And I want to use Joshua to help us maybe begin thinking about what it's going to be like. Gang, I, I just have to tell you, we've had a good year. I'm so proud of Indian Springs. We're finishing the year strong financially. Uh, everybody's going to get paid but Don, so we're doing pretty good. Uh, but financially, we're, we're doing well. We're finishing there well. Uh, our mission work has been so amazing this year. Local missions, uh, national missions, international missions have just been amazing. And so everything that I feel like God had had for us, that's way too many lights, Stu. Uh, thank you. I want to be able to look at the whites of their eyes because if they get sleepy, I won't call them out. Um, about everything I think that God has wanted us to do, we've just been about able to do. But 2015, to me, is incredibly exciting. I believe that next year, God's going to open up some windows for us to peer through some doors to walk through in new and exciting ways that we've never done before. I, I, I feel like I have an idea of what it is. God's beginning to show me what it is. And so it's going to be, um, and it's not that he's detailed everything out, but I think he is kind of, in a way, I believe we're going to set ourselves to travel with him this next year in a wonderful, wonderful way for our, our church here locally and the work that we do abroad, okay? I want to use that in Joshua to, to talk with you a little bit over the next couple of weeks, okay? I know that, uh, I know you probably know this, but the economy of God is an amazing thing. Uh, every one of us in here would stand and proclaim his sovereignty, that God is on the throne, that whatever God chooses to do, he will see that it gets done. You agree with that, don't you? I believe that. I believe that I'm just uh, a mouthpiece, and uh, if I were to be snatched out, God would put another mouthpiece here, probably not as cute. He would bring another mouthpiece here, and I think the work of God would just continue on. I do. I believe that whatever God ordains, God always brings to pass because God ordains it, and it's from God, okay? But one thing that, that's interesting to me is, though, even though God's plans are impenetrable, God always uses people. He includes people in his plans. And uh, so he's got to have a people willing to come alongside by faith and obedience, and we'll see today in cleanliness, to help fill out, work out those plans. God being sovereign can use anybody and everybody to accomplish his plans, whether 
those people are saved or lost. Now, those who are saved accomplishes the greater plans, but I just want to show you, we're going to put on the screen a verse to you, and I want to show you the, 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 the sovereignty of God at work. Guys, if you'll throw that, that verse of Acts 2.23. Now, now look, at, look at this verse before we go to Joshua. This man talking about Jesus, he's preaching about Christ, delivered over by what? The predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God. Now, does that tell us that this whole idea about the redemption of man through Jesus Christ and the cross and the sacrifice was in God's heart and in God's mind? Yeah. Was it before the foundation of the world? Yes. My dear friend, if you're saved today, you were in the mind and you were in the heart of God before the foundation of the world. God is sovereign in his grace and God is sovereign in his salvation. But then notice it says, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. On the one hand, we have the total sovereignty of God leading us, guiding us, accomplishing his plans that he has set forth. But on the other hand, there's man involved, and in this case, lost people accomplishing the plan, the will, working alongside of God in that, okay? We'll see today that when we as believers in Christ get ourselves in a position to help God, work with God, walk alongside of God, then amazing things take place, not can take place, not potential Amazing things do take place. And I believe, dear church, that Indian Springs is going to see some amazing things take place this next year, okay? I want us to see in Joshua God's plan to the nation that it was going to be fulfilled. God had ordained it, but he needed to have some people ready, consecrated people. So my theme is consecrate yourself so that the plans unfold and work themselves out, okay? The fact of the matter is, God will do that. Sometimes his plans are hard to understand, amen, Miss Annie? Sometimes God's plans are hard to, hard to understand. Uh, why at 80 that your husband would be saved? The praise God at 80, your husband is saved, you know? That's the way it is. He's looking for people to work with him, okay? When it comes to the nation of Israel, Joshua leading into the promised land, gang, it's a culmination of 500 years of promise to Father Abraham, 500 years earlier to Father Abraham, diverted for a time by faithlessness, I understand, diverted for a time by disobedience by the people, but it was ordained by God. And ultimately, when God got his people in step, it came to pass. I want to give you some principles before we read the passage, okay? One of the principles is God always works through people. I've already said that. Another principle is this. Faith responds to promise by action. Faith responds to the promise of God by actions from the people. And so if God has done some great things in the past, he's done it through our people and if God is going to do some marvelous things in the future, guess what? He's going to do it through you and I. God always uses people to accomplish his 
his plan, okay? Another principle. God's promises are unconditional in his commitment. But the fulfillment of those promises is conditioned by the faith of the people. Now, it takes time to get the people in line. God's promises are unconditional. He's sovereign. But it's conditioned by us in our obedience and cleanliness to follow after him. And then a third principle, this isn't mine. I wrote this down. I just like it. There are never imperatives from God without indicatives. Now, let me tell you what that means. There are never commands from God without instructions for God's people to know how to do that. The Bible is filled with commands. The Bible is filled with imperatives. All through the Bible, we we find the commands of God. But all through the Bible, when we find the commands of God, there's always instructions to the people on how to do it. And when God tells us what to do, as God begins detailing out to us what he wants us to do this next year, gang, we'll know how to do it because it's God's responsibility to show us how to do it. Okay, now I'm going to start in our three-week series in a strange place. Instead of chapter one, we're going to begin in chapter three, okay? And I want us to look at this sovereign plan unfolding through people from the perspective of the people and what is going to be required by us, okay? I mean, it's going to happen. God ordained it, but the people have got to be ready And gang, when you believe something, you've got to do something. You hear me, Christians? Can I kind of step on your toe a minute? You pew-sitting, well, we have pews, you chair-sitting Baptists. When God ordains it, and when we believe it, then we've got to get off of our best intentions and get involved and see that it happens. What does it take? Well, in Joshua 3, 1 through 11, let me point out quickly to you three things. Okay, would you stand in honor of God's word? Joshua 3, by the way, is that you, Kyle? Did you get any sleep last night? Our new student pastor came in last night. Raise your hand. Would you guys welcome Kyle? Kyle, I, I got to tell you, brother, I wanted to be there so badly when you guys were unloading, but someone gave me a free ticket to the Razorback game. Kyle, Razorbacks. Kyle, it was a great game, Kyle. We're, we're, we're glad you're here. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat. I, uh, we were at, we had a, I just, let me take a side. You're standing up. You need to stand up for me anyway. We, uh, we were at the ball game, and there was some special needs people right in front of us, and there was a young lady in front of us who had Down syndrome. And she was really into it. And she would just turn around and try to get us. She'd high-five us, and, and uh, she would look at me, and she'd try to get me to scream. Well, I've had a little bit of a cold over the last few weeks. I was trying to protect my throat. And, boy, she'd get mad at me. <laughs> and I, I said, I, and I didn't want to tell her. I don't think she'd understand. I'm trying to save my throat for these people i got to holler at, you know. So uh, it, was, it was fun. Anyway, I don't know why I said that for. All right, <clears throat> Joshua 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel sent out from Shittim, came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. 
At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp. They commanded the people, saying, Notice, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, with the Levitical, Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now, notice verse 4. I'm going to come back to this. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do my translation has wonders, yours may have miracles, yours may have astonishing things among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, now it's pretty interesting, he didn't say it to the people, he said it to Joshua who were to pass it down, and how he passed it down in what form, we're not real sure. He said to Joshua, this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests. You see the chain of command? You shall command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God, let me, let, me, let me back up. Do you notice what he said there? He said to the sons of Israel, probably the leadership of Israel there. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. He will surely dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gershites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and all the ites. Then he said, behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth, notice, is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Father, I love this text, and I pray you'll help me unfold it, but God, in a way that will encourage us as we think about a new year that's coming in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. I want us to begin in verse 3 and 4, what's going to be required, church? If we're going to really attempt to do some things under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, believing God is doing this, then what is it going to require of Tom? Or what is it going to require of the dear people of Indian Springs Baptist Church in 2015? Well, when you look at verse 3 and 4, you'll see, first of all, that it requires that we must keep our focus on God, Okay. Now, we may talk a little bit more about this next week, Lord willing, but let me remind you of a few things. It was flood season here, okay? So from a few hundred yards, we have a, a river that is probably at least a mile wide. And the Bible tells us that in flood season, it would go outside the banks. So it would probably be a, a raging river in a sense, certainly be forceful, intimidating, be like the floods we see in the United States during that season of time when you just see the, the, un, the breaking out of the boundaries and just, just wrecking havoc. That's, that's the idea that we have here, okay? 
In addition, this was not just an army about to go over. This was a nation. This was a mama and a baby. They were going across the river in mass. You would think they would have just sent out an army. They didn't do that. All of the nation went over. That's pretty significant, I think. In addition to that, they really were not even an army at all. They were a bunch of misfits that liked to grumble at the preacher, right? I mean, you know, as long as things, as long as they had water, they were fine. The moment they did not have water, they wanted to kill, you know? They weren't assembled. Joshua was the leader, and he had led an army earlier, but I think maybe one, at the most two battles, and I may be wrong on that. Don can help me with that later, but I know one, and that's about all, you know? They were not a well-polished army, and they were about to cross a flooded river with all of their family against giants, people who knew how to fight, that had fortified Cities, do, do, do you get the picture? Well, then the question is, well, my goodness, if that's the situation or the circumstance, how does the people of God win? How do we overcome that? Well, we have a verse in the New Testament talking to New Testament saints in Hebrews 12 that keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so I think what we have here is who you're going to look at, what you're going to look at. And so I think the first thing that I see in this, in fact, in fact verse 3 was, you got to keep your eyes focused on God. Focus requires something. It requires conviction. And you know what conviction requires? Focus. It's not rocket science. You see, focus requires conviction. Conviction requires that we stay focused. However, the subject on our focus is very important on God. That's what verse 3 tells us. Keep your eyes on the ark. Well, what is the ark? The ark represents the, the presence of God. When they saw the ark, they saw God. When they saw the ark, they saw the throne of God. Inside the ark was the covenant promises of God. So they had to keep their eyes, church. You got to keep your eyes here on God. Now look at verse 4, interesting. Why? Well, let's read verse 4. There shall be a distance between you of 2,000 cubics by measure. Why? Well, some would say, and some commentators say, well, because the ark is the presence of God and God is holy, and if they get too close or if they touch it, they'll die. Well, that's okay, I guess. God is surely holy, is he not? But I don't think that's what verse 4 tells us at all. I think verse 4 simply is, in fact, I think it's very practical. Back off. Put the ark on display because it, when the people are backed off, you can see the ark and the people have to see God. If they were all crowded up against it, I think it would block the view. And when believers can't see God, Believers begin to struggle. You know what it's like when you lose a loved one if you can't see God in that? Why is it so sad when unbelievers die? There's no God there, right? I just think he said back off so that all could see. 
They had to see God, and they had to see that God was leading. All had to see that, and so must we. Now, gang, let me tell you, I'm going to be very personal with you. You need to know, and I understand that I feel the pressure of it. You need to know that I see God, okay? If you don't think that I see God, you need to get rid of me. Wait till after hunting season. If, if you don't believe your pastor sees God, you need a new pastor. Oh, dear people, listen. I, we, need to know that you see God, see? And when I see God and you know it, and when you see God and we know it, then we cross over by faith whatever it is we've got to cross over. So sometimes you may struggle looking at me. I understand that. But I have to tell you, there's times I struggle looking at you. Now, when you're not in your place on Sunday, when you're not ministering the way we, we feel like we need to be, when church is an afterthought or just whatever, or if it fits. I, I'm not, listen, I'm old enough now. I'm not against hunting. I'm not against fishing, especially fly fishing. I'm not against ball. I've changed a little bit. Here's what I'm against. Christians putting priorities ahead of God that they should not, see? And so you've got to see and know that I see and know God. But gang, listen, we've got to know it from you. And if we connect up there, I don't care what it is God's going to show us or how he's going to detail it out. We're going to be fine, and we'll cross it together, okay? And look at verse 5, because to me, striking. I'm sorry, uh, no, verse, end of verse 4. I'm, I said verse 5, but it's the end of verse 4. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go. Why? Because you have never passed this way before. Could it be that this next year that God's going to begin to bring us to a place to cross over that we've never been before? Well, yeah, there's no doubt. He's already showed me some things, and you're going to hear more on December 7th, but I want to tell you, one of, the, one of the burdens that God has shown me, one of the blessings even that God has showed me, is that in 2015, Indian Springs Baptist Church is going to get out of debt. I don't know how we're going to do it, but there's no doubt in my mind that God says, Tom, you're concentrating on the wrong things. The first thing you got to do is get your people to pay off the debt. That means we're going to have to raise about 200000 above and beyond our regular giving to get out of debt. That's priority number one, see? And if you don't believe that I've seen that from God, and if I can't see that you or see it enough that you're willing to squeeze a little bit, then we'll have some challenges. See, you have to be focused, not on the, the flooding, not on the pressures, because all of us live in it, not on the opponents. Our focus has to be on God. We have to see him because we've never gone this way before. 
that's a lesson that we can pull from Joshua chapter 3, okay? All right, number two, look at verse 5, okay? Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves because you're about to see some things you've never seen before. Now, where focus requires conviction, faith requires confidence. First, we say that I have to believe by faith as much as I see by sight that God is in it. Secondly, I've got to consecrate myself to it. Now, what does that mean? Well, consecrate means to sanctify it or to be holy. It carries the idea of separation, okay? In fact, I thought it was interesting uh, that the video we saw for, saw, showed for Lottie Moon, you saw the people with the water. They're pagans. They don't know Christ. But you know why they're using water? Because water is always a sign of cleanliness. Now, we, we understand cleanliness because we take showers every day. Most of us do. <laughs> you know, I got some friends take showers three times a day. I mean, they're weird. Okay? But you see, they didn't do that back then. In fact, most of those years in traveling in, in the wilderness, they didn't take them at all uh, because water was so precious. They didn't have a lot of water. And so they would get up in the morning, and I guess they would dust off the dust. I don't know how they did it. And, uh, and they, they would put on the same old clothes, and uh, they would travel, okay? But in the Old Testament, where you see the word sanctify or consecrate, it carries the idea of cleanliness and separation. They would take their clothes off, they would bathe, and they would put on fresh clothes. And the idea is to be holy. The idea is to be clean before God. Now, gang, listen, they, they had their challenges. We know it's recorded. We have our own, I understand. But the principle still applies. If we're going to see some amazing things from God this next year, it's going to be done through clean people, cleanliness, separation consecration. There's no shortcuts to holiness, you see. And so if you want to see some amazing things, and if you want to see some wonderful things, and if we want to see some astonishing things, if we want to see some God things, then let's be sure we take a bath. Let's be sure we put on clean clothes so that as we enter this new year, we enter consecrated unto God. Okay, And then verse 6 and 7 will be our last point. Look at verse 6 and 7. It, it, it takes a focus on. It takes, uh, it takes faithfulness to, but it takes fearlessness with God. Let's read 6 and 7. Joshua spoke to the priest saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over ahead of the people. So what did they do? They did that. They got off their best intentions. And the Ark of the Covenant, and we'll notice it went ahead. Let's stop at six. It went ahead of the people. Take the Ark, cross over. When it is time, and I have spoken, get going. That's what God said to the leader. You see, you got to know God's speaking. You got to know what he said, but then when you know what he said, then you got to step forth and go on. Focus requires conviction. Faithfulness 
requires your confidence. Fearlessness requires our courage. Anything that God ordains will come to pass. But everything that God ordains that comes to pass must and will always require the courage of God's people. Now let me close with something for you to chew on, okay? Next week we, we're going to go chapter 1. Um, but let me just kind of give you something to chew on as I close it out, okay? Chapter 1 is when God first speaks to Joshua. From that moment until now in chapter 3, there's been a little period of time. God hasn't spoken. And even though he begins to speak, I don't know that the people know everything that's going on. I think he's beginning to tell Joshua, and Joshua's passing down some of the details. I don't know that the people see it all, okay? Verse 17 says, ultimately, they crossed on dry land. So it happened, okay? Verse 5 tells us it was a wonder. It was God doing a God thing. 500 years of a promise finally came to fruition. It was ordained by sovereignty. But they didn't really know it all until it came time for them to know it all. You, you understand what I'm saying? You see, one of the problems that we have as pastors, or at least Tom does, is that I want it all out in front of me right now. When people come up to me and begin to ask questions, I want to be able to give them an answer. Tom, where are we going to be in March? I want to say, well, you know, probably by the bank fishing. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we're going to... I, I, and it's, it's, it's challenging. There's pressure there for me because I don't want you to think I'm a nincompoop, you know. I want to have a sense to know so I can answer. But the fact is there's a time element here. Joshua knew what he was supposed to do, and as he needed to know more, God would tell him, and as the people needed to know, jo Joshua would pass it down. And it began to happen. And the call of the people was three things. Watch God. And so my challenge to you is keep your eyes on God. Number two, stay clean. Clean up. Take a bath. Be sure there's a separation between you and all the crud that comes into our lives. Watch yourself. And number three, be courageous. Step up and step up, out, and let's do it together. Gang, that's the basics of obedience and faith to God. I see God. I see myself. I'm walking with God. Now, my, my challenge to you is this. Number one, you have to be people of conviction. I see God in this. You have to be people of confidence. I believe that God's going to bring it to pass just like God did, and he'll show us when we need to know in his time, and all of the generals will become more and more specific as we go. And then we have to be people of courage. I wrestled through this debt thing. Uh, my eyes were on space things parking, buildings. And I've wrestled with that for a long time until recently.
And gang, it's scary to stand before you to say, somehow in 2015, we've got to raise $215,000. Now, if you want to write a check, man, it's going to help my cause a real lot. But the fact of the matter is, I know who we are. And we're just dirt farmers, right? We're just, you know, we work hard. And we don't have a lot of love. But somehow, at the end of this year, we're going to have an incredible celebration when we burn the note. And we're going to be biblical. We're going to say, Romans says, Owe no man anything except love. That's my intention because I believe it's God's intention for our church. Well, you think about what I've shared. Next couple of weeks, we'll take a couple more bites. Uh, then we'll, December 7, actually, we'll have to move quickly. We'll finish this up. We'll have our ministry fair uh, that afternoon. Don will present our, our budget to you. Then we'll do Christmas, and then we take off. Found good? Well, let's pray then. Okay, Barbara, would you come and play softly for us while we just kind of think about maybe what God has said this morning, and maybe you have a decision that you've been wrestling with. Uh, God has impressed upon you that today is the day for you to make that, and so uh, Don and I will be here and be glad to help you. Father, I love you. I am thankful that you never tell us to do something without telling us how to do something, and this is part of it, and so we will in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.